Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, podcast? It's Corey from Best Served. This podcast is a clubhouse recording from 4-19-2021 about the restaurant employee journey and what happens now. Hope you enjoy. Thank you, everyone, for joining. And uh, we will be commencing this, uh, this room. We're talking the employee journey, the restaurant employee journey, what that means, what that looks like, what's happening currently, and kind of where it goes from here. This room hosted by uh, Best Served F&B Creatives, where we really want to be the connective tissue between the business, the business model, uh, workers, and the challenges and opportunities that face kind of all peoples on all sides of this equation. I'm super pumped to uh, to have gathered this little crew here. So what we're going to be talking about today, and give you a little bit of kind of run of show, is we want to have this group be able to speak on their parts within kind of this uh, employee journey. And we're going to talk about some of the problems that we're facing. We're going to talk about some of the solutions that are at hand. We're going to go to each of the speakers uh, to kind of lay out some of these these thoughts. And we will open up some time for guests uh, in the audience to be able to maybe add some context, their own personal experiences, and ask some questions as we kind of go throughout. So uh, just a little bit about uh, Best Served. We are a two parts kind of media on one side with Best Served Podcast Strategy on the other side with Best Served Creative, where we're really here to amplify the worth and work of people who feed their communities, which is all of you, which is all 11 million plus people that work across food, beverage, and hospitality and trying to share more voices into the conversation, which is why we're excited about a platform like Clubhouse to be able to do that. Uh, just a couple of housekeeping items real quick. Uh, this room is being recorded, so everyone's aware. Please, for anybody up on stage and anybody in the room, ping anybody in that you believe would gain some value out of hearing this conversation, being able to share this conversation, or being able to contribute to this conversation. Uh, definitely take a moment, too, and look around the uh of the room and see if there's some people who you have not connected with yet and get into their profiles and uh, and go ahead and follow them. I want to really build up this community as much as possible and uh, and invite and nominate people to be a part of this best served F&B creatives group as uh, we're going to need more and more voices to contribute. And we're going to run this room for about an hour, uh, maybe spill over an hour a little bit to try and uh, be respectful of everybody's time. And so, with no further ado, I want to go around and have the panelists introduce themselves. I will introduce the topic as a whole, and we'll lay out the problem a little bit. Then each of the panelists will kind of speak to some of the solutions and the works that they are doing, and then as time permits. So let's just go around. I'm just going to go kind of top to bottom here. So uh, Samantha, if you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. First person to go, and this is also my first time on Clubhouse, so I'm trying to get the hang of things, but thanks so much for the invite. So I am a career and leadership coach. I have a business called Quarter Life Crisis because I think there are just so many people in this world who are trying to figure out their career and how to get a job they actually like that pays well, that has benefits, all those things. So I help people find what they want to do and then apply successfully. And I worked with a lot of people in the restaurant industry and in hospitality when I worked at Johnson and Wales University. So believe that's why I was invited to contribute to this panel, and I'm excited to be here. Thank you, Samantha. Hey, Jesus Chewy, if you want to introduce yourself. Hey, guys. My name is Jesus Gutierrez. I've been in the hospitality restaurant industry for before I was born. My mom worked the day before I was born at the restaurant, and then I was born the next day. <laughs> so I've been doing this for a long time. My family owns uh, three margaritas Mexican restaurants. We started in Washington State, now here. And now through the pandemic, I'm part of a team that started uh, the first platform in Spanish to look for work in the U.S. It's called Chamba. 
Chamba's uh, slang for work in Spanish, and now it's in English as well. So we help people find work in the uh, whatever Hispanics work, you uh, construction, cleaning, hospitality. We have a whole bunch of jobs there for people to, to look for work and for businesses to find staff for their uh, for their business. That's what I do. Thank you, Chewy. I mean, introduce yourself. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for having me. Um, my name is Irene, and I'm based here in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, I'm the founder and co-owner of May May Restaurant, which started as a food truck in 2012. Um, and I now work um, for a nonprofit here in Boston called Commonwealth Kitchen, and I'm working very closely with a cohort of eight Black and Latinx restaurant owners and trying to help them um, think through what the next phase of their businesses look like. And a lot of that has to do with hiring and retention. Um, so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Jordan, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, everyone. I'm, uh, I'm Jordan. I'm the CEO at Seven Shifts. I, I grew up working for my my dad and grandparents who ran some, uh, some restaurants and uh, that's where I, I fell in love with, you know, food and, and, and business and wanted to, you know, eventually built a product called uh, what is now Seven Shifts, where we provide over 17,000 restaurants um, with a labor management solution to help manage um, their, their labor and, and also engage with their staff. Awesome, Jordan. Thank you. Sean, go ahead and let us know who you are. Yeah, my name is Sean Walcheff. I own Cali Barbecue Media. We're a media business and a barbecue business. We have a single-unit barbecue restaurant. We just opened our second location, Ghost Kitchen location, uh, but we've been in business for 13 years, employed hundreds if not thousands of people um, that are hospitality-focused. Uh, you know, part of our thesis on our podcast is every business needs to be digital and every business needs to be in the hospitality business, and we've never been more excited about the intersection of technology, um, digital, as well as hospitality. And that's really what does the new restaurant worker look like moving forward? We've always hired for hospitality. Um, it's something that we don't care about experience because all the things that we teach in this restaurant are teachable. Um, it's more about how do you care about people, but we also want to provide better opportunities. And, you know, the collection of people on this panel, um, I'm just excited for the conversation today. So thanks, thanks for getting this together, Jensen. An honor. Sean, thank you. Uh, Jeannie, last but not least, go ahead and introduce yourself. Hey, thanks. Uh, I'm also very excited, like Sean, to be um, just here to listen from all everyone that's on this panel. Thank you, Jensen, for putting it together. Um, my name is Jeannie. I use she, her pronouns. I'm on occupied Duwamish territory in Seattle, Washington. Um, like Jesus, uh, my mom was bartending the day before I was born. Um, my parents and grandparents immigrated this country and had Chinese restaurants on the East Coast. Um, I've been living in Seattle for the last 22 years, working in mostly fine dining restaurants and management. Prior to the pandemic, I was the director of operations and community engagements for Sea Creatures, which is Renee Erickson's restaurant group here in Seattle. Post-pandemic, I started a restaurant coalition called Seattle Restaurants United, and I advocate at a city and state level for 250 um, Seattle area restaurants. And at the federal level, I've been working on the advisory board for the Independent Restaurant Coalition, and we've been working on the Restaurants Act. And that's my volunteer work. <laughs> and then for my paid job, and the reason I'm here is I'm the co-director of Ray's Hybrid Restaurants. Um, we are a national network of restaurant owners around the country that care about race and gender equity and improved working conditions for our workers. And Irene and Sean are both members. So um, it's great to be here. Thank you. It's quite the group. I appreciate and know the passion that each of you have for the the love that is this industry, the pain that is this industry, and the people who commit themselves to this industry. So, you know, this is this conversation today is not going to solve the issues at hand. This conversation today is going to galvanize and bring more people together that are able to move the needle because we know we have a big challenge when it comes to the employee journey. Um, I'm going to kind of break down what we want to talk about on this topic, but I want to take a moment uh, because this idea of the employee journey, something I've been thinking about a lot, actually came from Jordan, who they work on kind of what they call the employee life cycle. So Jordan, I want you to just take uh, 41 seconds 
let's break down the different parts of the employee life cycle because I think it's important for us to understand when and where those intersections happen because sometimes we just kind of glaze over them thinking that restaurants are monolithic in their operation. Yeah, all right. Uh, 38 seconds now. Um, so we, uh, we, we primarily focus on um, what we refer to internally here as like the employee life cycle. So what we mean by that is everything from the moment uh, so an employee is hired, they're then trained, they're scheduled roughly at a similar time. They, after they work their shifts, they're then paid using a typically a payroll company, and then they're effectively retained and engaged until they either quit or are terminated. So when, you know, we think about, um, you know, the, the value and the impact we want to have as it relates to the broader industry, we, we think of, we try and focus on the elements of, of the employee life cycle and, and how we can add value and impact and, um, ultimately help help restauranters um, manage these areas of the of the uh, of the life cycle yes yeah, so I think it's important for us to re really understand these different transitional moments that we go through as a business or as employees and again the connective tissue between those so kind of laying out this topic a little bit you know for me being 20 two years in the industry, one of the things that's interesting, and I think at the core of this, and I'll reiterate this multiple times in different ways throughout uh, the talk today, is that we all found this industry, sometimes by dumb luck, sometimes by family legacy, sometimes just by happenstance of the timing, because we were 16 and our parents told us to get a job, or we were in college, we needed a job, like that we get in so young that there's some strength and vulnerability in that. The thing that I found and so many people find, and this is echoed uh, across so many conversations that I'm lucky enough to have, is that we found our people. There was something about it. We didn't want the nine to five or the suit and tie or whatever it was, the cubicle. We kind of found our people, Sean, you know, really harkens to that hospitality. And there's this sense of belonging that's found there. And when we lose that and we turn it into just a job, and I've been guilty of this, if you pay attention to anything that uh, best served is doing. I'm telling myself all the time, I've been guilty of finding my people and then spending 20 years turning it into a job through more and more layers of dehumanization and systems and this and that, like really not understanding the business that we're in. We are in the relationship business. No product, no service has ever built a relationship. Humans build relationships. Two humans, three humans, a group of humans build relationships. Now there are products, services, spaces that create the opportunity, the catalyst that galvanize like-minded people. And I believe restaurants truly are that. We need to recognize that this is the relationship business that we are in. And we need to really, really focus on that. And this is a core tenet of what I think is causing some of the strife in this is that we have commoditized ourselves and we are paying for that uh, currently is kind of what we see. So this is, this is something playing out. And so I wanted to just lay out a couple of the issues that we're seeing from the worker side of the equation. So over the last six months, we have asked dozens of questions to understand what their journey is, what their pain points are, where the joy is, uh, where they are in their own life cycle, in their own personal and professional life cycle. And we have sussed through thousands of comments from people, everything from straight out pure anger to resentment to uh, feeling insecure, feeling uh, underappreciated, undervalued, to being overworked, to being absolutely in love with every moment of every day and every human emotion therein and in between. And I wanted to lay out the three things that we've kind of pulled together, the broadest categories of the things that we're hearing. In no particular order, number one, pay and benefits is absolutely foundational. We need to find a way to get ourselves out of fight or flight mode, out of survival mode, this mindset shift where we can never truly commit all of ourselves to something if we're so fundamentally worried about paying your bills, benefits. We are one of the last industries to understand that making sure that people have financial, physical, mental, psychological security in the work that they do is mission critical. So this is number one that we see. Number two is this idea that, that this toxic culture in restaurants is something that is so pervasive and that it's just matter of fact the way that it is because this is a hard industry, absolutely. 
and it's so built on the foundation of chaos or toxic culture and feeling like there's exploitation at the foundation of this business is number two that we see time and time again. And number three is a lack of meaning. I mentioned that sense of belonging. People are just, I see this play out in a lot of ways from job posts that say nothing more than hiring cooks 14 to 16 hours, dollars an hour based on experience, apply here. Like how little can effort can we put in to try and inspire people to be a part of something bigger than themselves, to be a part of this mission of, of food and beverage hospitality. So that lack of meaning is, is the third piece. So thanks for letting me rant for a second, but I wanna go to each of the panelists and we'll kind of go in the same uh, order again. Uh, Chewy, I wanna start with you. Uh, very quickly, just take a couple minutes, let's lay out the problem. Each of the panelists, I want you to kind of number one, pain point that you're seeing today that you're mission driven to kind of uh, address and uh, Jesus, Chewy, I want to start with you. What are you seeing? What do we need to be paying attention? Um, so yeah, man. I mean, for me, I'm here more to more to listen to all you guys more than anything because I've always worked for my family, and we've always uh, taken through Margarita's more of a like a small family restaurant. Um, so, I mean, I would like to learn from everybody. How can we give, for me, it's like, how can I give my, my guys more than a paycheck, right? And, I mean, here for Three Margaritas, most of the people that I hire, they're all Latinos. And a lot of them stay around for a long time, if not, like my chef has stayed with me for about 10 years. But I feel like the biggest reason why they stick around is because a lot of them don't have, like, a green card, right? So they don't, I mean, I mean, yeah, I'm... There's, it's a happy place here where I work, but I mean, I'm sure that they would like to get other types of jobs or better paying jobs. So for me, it's like, how can we pay them more and how can we offer more than just a paycheck? Uh, especially, like I said, for the Latino community, the main reason why they stick around so much is because some of them, like, they don't think they can get better jobs somewhere else or sometimes because of uh, green cards, right? They don't have... And in a lot of the restaurants, we don't need verify, so that's why they stick around more. Um, but yeah, like I said, I'm more here. I'm, I'm more to listen than anything else, to learn from all you guys. And it's just for you that the problem then that you're partially addressing is one: uh, undocumented workers creating a, a safe space for them. Do you find them opening up more? To you because of the fact that this is a part of kind of who you are are you struggling because potentially so many of your employees are are at risk uh legally speaking no not 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 risk legally but like i said uh, um like I, I feel like the biggest problem with me and my staff and because they stick around here for a long time uh, with me, of course, or with through margaritas, but I feel like it's not always because we have we're like the best company in the world, right? But it's uh, but it's because in the Hispanic community, it's like they they tend to stay where they don't e-verify, so they that's why they stick around in the hospitality business for a long time. A lot of them love cooking and serving and all that, but for me, it's like how can I? How can I offer more than just a paycheck for for them, or how can I? Uh, I'm not sure if you guys understand what I'm trying to say. Do you understand what I'm saying, Jensen, or no? Yeah, no, I completely hear you. Well, I mentioned the the safety piece of it. You're trying to create a safe environment. I think we need to yeah. understand the environment that we're creating from a from a legal standpoint, from a regulatory standpoint, from a business mm -hmm. model standpoint needs to be improved upon because to your point you might not have to be addressing and many restaurants aren't addressing the culture the pay and benefits some of the elements that we're talking about because they have somewhat of a quote-unquote captive audience who may or may not have or may or may not know that they have other options so yeah. it has maybe not pushed our hand forced our hand to develop better business models so i completely agree huge important topic i appreciate that uh samantha for you no, number one pain point, where are you seeing it? Uh, what's coming across your desk that is 
the biggest thing that you see that we need to address? Yeah, well, I really like the three challenges that you laid out. And I would say that that's what a lot of people come to me with is they're saying, I want a job that has all three. I want to be paid well. well benefits would be great. I want a good team. And I want to have meaning in my job. So I want to do something where I can be creative. Maybe I have a little bit of autonomy to do my own thing. And they really struggle to find a job that has all three of those, sometimes even all two of those. And I think that the options that do exist, it's super competitive for them. So they feel like they're competing with hundreds of people for a few really good jobs. So those three really resonate with me and the people I've worked with. And it's kind of interesting because I think I've also talked to people on the employer side who are like, well, I can't get people to stay or I can't find enough good workers. And I think there's a, this supply and demand issue. But I think sometimes employers don't always raise the price, right? They're like, I want people. And I don't want people to quit. But they're struggling with one of these things and not always willing to invest in things that make it better for employees. Yeah, that investment piece, that's huge struggle. We know how tight the margins are. And we we have died on that hill for a long, long time. And now we see this industry getting disrupted in a multitude of ways. And the reality is either we find ways to invest in our most valuable asset, our people, or many parts of the industry that we helped to build is not going to exist anymore. And so we have to, we have to spend our money now where we'd like to spend it later. And that includes investing in good people. So I appreciate that for sure. Irene, for you, where's the pain? Talk to us. I think the pain is also in getting owners to invest in their people. Um, I think that, you know, of course, as a restaurant owner, I've been burned plenty of times um, investing in a staff member and then they leave um, or they can't work as many hours as they were going to. But I think that, you know, if, if we think about it in terms of internal hospitality, like we have to be the ones to stick our necks out there first for our staff. Um, I work with a lot of restaurant owners who always say the phrase, like, I just can't find the right person. Um, we hear this all the time. And, you know, what we try to think about is, what does that actually mean? And is there a right person out there? Are you just sort of waiting around for, for the unicorn um, to show up? Or is there a way that you can funnel you know, all of your prospects uh, and train them so that any of them could be the right person. I think also part of that is that like in a lot of ways, I think restaurant employees and sometimes owners too are kind of like bumping around in the dark. Like they, they don't know what the goals are for the business necessarily. Um, and they might not see the larger picture. I think one really good example of this is in some of the restaurants I'm working with right now, um, a lot of the staff don't know what each other's roles and responsibilities are. And I think this is seems to be most common between managers and frontline staff. Um, and so that's like, you know, being on a soccer team. And um, I mean, I don't play soccer, but if you didn't know what your teammates roles were, then you would have a really hard time understanding what success means and how things are actually going. So that's part of why, you know, we were so um, strongly in favor of open book management at Maymay, wanting everyone to be able to see what was actually happening in the business. Um, so yeah, I think that for me is, is the pain point. Irene, your analogy, even though you don't play soccer, is the best analogy possible. Awesome. Oh, good. <laughs> and it's like a school of fish Excellent. following the ball around the fields. Nobody plays their position. Nobody was, knows what their position is. Half the kids don't even know they're playing soccer. They're just running after the ball. And then there's a bunch of parents on the sidelines screaming at their children. This is literally a microcosm of what a restaurant is. So I could not be yeah, more. Yeah, that sounds pretty in, familiar. <laughs> yeah, a fan of that analogy. So I appreciate that. Jordan, for you, speak to us. Where are you seeing kind of the most uh, pain points? I know you work across all of the segments of the life cycle, it seems like. But uh, where is kind of the, the biggest place that we need to be paying attention to? Yeah, by the way, um, I love soccer, so I love that. I love that analogy. Um, but I just from talking to a lot of our operators that we work pretty closely with, I think I think everyone has kind of hit on a little bit of it, which is, you know, historically, the industry has always had kind of like um, a tough time hiring. And there's there's multiple, you know, call it reasons or excuses for that. Um, there, there are a lot of fa factors at play. But 
I think even just going through this pandemic brought a lot of attention to, you know, the issues that the industry has always had, but just took a salt shaker and opened the wound and dumped it all in and, and really made it, made it known. And we're, we're even seeing it right now, right. Where there's just like constantly articles being pushed out about hiring crunches and, you know, people are worried to come back and, and there's a lot of fears around that. Now, now I think that there, there are pandemic problems that exist right now as it relates to hiring, but, you know, even, but prior to the pandemic, which, you know, um, you know, we should, we should also look at, which was, yeah, people, um, you know, trying to get the, you know, talk about the right people and what does that look like? And uh, I, I really like this quote by Jim Sullivan. He's a, he's a restaurant consultant. And he says, we're better, at uh, we're better at training than we are at recruiting. So we hurry, hire the wrong people and hope training will fix them, but there's no right way to develop the wrong person. And I think when, you know, that, that quote kind of goes hand in hand with, you know, establishing some sort of value system within a restaurant, because it's not so different than a typical business in that you try and you have your established values, like, like in our business and, and you try and hire for those, those values and those traits and, and, you know, union square hospitality is, has kind of some established ones as well. But I think there's some core things that can be done. Um, instead of just blaming the industry for your, you know, your issues for not being able to hire or attract or retain and, 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 and these types of things. So I think there's more we can do as it relates to um, structurally setting the business up for success to attract the right people. Um, and then following that, I think there are other things that can be done as it relates to retaining your people. Um, and a lot of that, I think, is just talking to them more. I think you know, finding out what motivates people and, and what are their aspirations? What are their ambitions? What if, what if one of your chefs wants to, you know, um, um, one day be part of like a go, go to chef school and, and, you know, maybe, maybe he does, he or she does really well. And, and you help, you know, sponsor a little bit of that. I, I don't know. I'm just kind of, I, these are just anecdotal things that I've seen. Um, some of the operators do it at least that, that we speak with. So I think it, there's a lot of creativity and a, and a room to evolve, but I, I do think there are foundational things as it relates to identifying who you are as a business and how that helps you attract the the right folks and um, going from there. So I, I do think there's a lot of kind of reactive things that happen in this industry, but hopefully this pandemic has made us take a step back and, and look at, at some of these fundamentals that are missing. The reactive nature, Jordan, is absolutely, you ended with the strongest point because we are such counterpunchers. We are always reacting in the moment. It means usually we're good in the moment. Like we handle pressure and we handle problem solving really, really well in the moment. Everything is two minutes here, 15 minutes there. It's reacting to a guest's need in that moment. There's strength in that. There's a vulnerability because it means that we are very proactive or reactive, not very proactive. So strategy and planning is something we struggle with. We're just going to go and punch our way out of every single problem. And that is a, a big vulnerability in the industry. Uh, Sean, for you, speak to us a little bit. What's uh, where are you seeing the most uh, the most need right now, the most uh, struggle for you? Yeah, you know, I, I think one of the, the biggest pain points that I see online and in media is the shortage of restaurant workers. And I completely disagree with that. I mean, I think that hiring has always been hard, but that is a function of who we hire. And by we, I mean, who do I hire? You know, ultimately it's gonna come down to me. And if I can't build a business with 7.8 billion people on this planet, and I can't create an inspiring message enough for someone to want to come into our barbecue restaurant and learn how to cook barbecue or learn hospitality or learn the digital side of, you know, we're trying to grow into a new model. The pandemic has put our full service restaurant and sports bar into a position where we had 64 employees at one point once the pandemic hit, we laid off 29 employees. That was the hardest day that I've ever had running this restaurant. We didn't know if we were gonna stay open. What did we do? We, we went in all in on digital. We did third party delivery, we did takeout, we upgraded our point of sale system. We did all these things and we asked our staff that stayed on to be at risk, you know, frankly, you know, to be at risk, to go through this pandemic, to be an essential worker and to keep our business alive. And in order to do that, we did something that we've never done before, which is tipping out the heart of the house with the front of the house. It became one house. 
Like that one house allowed us to pay our heart of the house wages that we've never been able to pay before. It also made our business more profitable than we've ever been. I mean, I say all the time on podcasts I go on to that the full service restaurant model was broken. And it was. I mean, they're very thin margins. It never made sense for us in 13 years to go open another restaurant. But we need to build a new business into the future that's going to hire great talent that wants to come here, whether it's a, for a career or whether it's a temporary position, but also that understands that we need to support them in ways that we haven't supported our workers in the past. Um, I think it's a great conversation. I love um, I've had Irene on, on one of my podcasts and uh, talking about the open books and sharing more, the more that we've done that internally with our managers and the more that I hope to do it with all of our staff, um, you know, understanding business. And, you know, frankly, sometimes some people don't care. You know, we've, we've done things where we call, I call it a breakfast club, where we have voluntarily once a month, we have personal development trainings that we put on that's voluntary. If you come, we're going to pay you. And, you know, half of our staff showed up to that. I need to figure out how to get more of our staff to that. But that lays on me. You know, for me to go, it's, oh, this is an industry problem or this is a pandemic problem or people want to collect unemployment. I mean, that frankly, that's just bullshit. You know, ultimately, it comes down to who am I going to be as a man? Who am I going to be as a leader? Who are my leaders, my general manager? What are we going to do to inspire people to want to come, to see the content that we're putting out online as our new job? You know, I'm able to, to get hired of me holding a sign on the street like I'm doing that as a joke but it's also we're willing to do whatever we have to do we have to go beyond Craigslist we have to go beyond these typical things that we've done as, as restaurant owners and you know one of the things I love about uh, seven chefs I interviewed Jordan um, for my podcast but it's just it's digitally checking in each shift you know that digital check-in with a staff where it's not a manager asking how was your shift it's literally just they get to input did they have a good shift did they have a bad shift you know with an emoji like that's a huge thing to understand the pulse of your business and to understand the pulse of your people sean appreciate that a, a couple of things I, I like that you pointed out open book management with what irene does and has done this is interesting because i've been really trying to get my head wrapped around this idea of hiring for attributes and training for skills right we need to understand what are the skills that are needed you know, what are the attributes that we're really really looking for because when i ask anybody at any level and i ask this a lot you guys know i ask all i do is ask questions what would you say is the most valuable, most important thing. What do you look for in a great coworker and a great employee and a great employer? And everything that people tell me is attributes, that they're a team player, they're coachable, they're motivated, they're self-starter, they're punctual. All of these things are attributes. And I say, this is amazing. So you must be really looking to cultivate that. So then promotions and pay raises, what do you base those on? And everything that people tell me is commoditized skill, commoditized skill, commoditized skill, commoditized skill, and then ROI that they create for the business. And I say, all right, well, let's go down that rabbit hole. ROI, you must then create a clear expectation and understanding what a return on investment is for any individual employee of yours to be able to create a return for your business. You must deploy some type of open book management. And of course, the answer 97% of the time is, well, no, we don't let them look at those numbers. So how the hell do you think that somebody is going to be able to articulate clearly the value that they bring to your business if you are only basing that on a set of commoditized skills and or a financial return for the business when they have no understanding, no context to be able to make that argument for themselves. So this is a fascinating dynamic that we find ourselves in. And then we wonder why so often the highest paid, most skilled person is the asshole that nobody wants to work with. And the people that are of, of high personal character and attributes continue to leave and leave and leave your business. And not only your business, this industry as a whole. Like the void that I'm seeing is I'm not I'm not as concerned, even though I'm very concerned as the people that are in the industry right now, post pandemic, I'm very concerned about some of the amazing people who have left this industry completely. And so I'm very interested in that dynamic. So Sean, I appreciate that you pointing that out. Uh, Jeannie, for you, talk to us, take it home. What, what other pain points are you seeing? What maybe we haven't we addressed that we can kind of kind of lay the, uh, the groundwork for this uh, idea of the employee journey? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, everybody's really touched on some really amazing points. Um, 
I think because I work specifically kind of with within race and gender equity in the restaurant sector and hospitality sector in general, I think kind of addressing that for me is really important because it touches upon both kind of pay and benefits um, that workers are referencing when you're talking about the top three from the workers perspective, but also it talks, talks about the toxic culture and the lack of meaning. And because when I say race and gender equity, what I'm really speaking to is inclusivity, right? And how our employees identify as humans and how they are accepted or not accepted in the workplace, how they looked at as they're valued. Um, and for me, like, I think that part, like, really starts with good leadership, right? Like we're talking about kind of those skills that we need, right? So like, how does it normally work in a restaurant? You're like, you're a great server or you're a really good cook, line cook. And then all of a sudden you're like thrusted into management, right? It's like, but do we invest in those people, right? Like Irene said, like, how are they trained? How are they supported to care for your team? Like, you know, like the development, um, personal development that Sean was referencing, I loved that, you know, like, how are we building like a path for them to for mobility for financial success like I mean like Jesus was talking about like you know he loves his cooks but you know what if there was like a through line from one of Jesus's restaurants to one of Renee's restaurants in Washington you know where it's just like but like he's not going to want to do that unless we know that there's like he knows that his people are going to be ensured that they're going to be cared for and like set up to be thrive set up to thrive and be seen you know he's like talking about them being latinx like you know there's implicit bias there and like you know if they may stay because they're scared of what might be out there and they know that they're they're going to be cared for and be successful as the, the chef at his restaurants um but maybe they don't feel that way so that's why i think like kind of i think that's like something to address when we're talking about um restaurant employees um specifically looking at race and gender because you know when we look at who we're caring for, you really be, are able to address things from um, with a more focused lens, I think, because you have to go take a little bit deeper when you when you go there. Yeah, I appreciate that. We, we already kind of touched on some of everybody's uh, solutions, the things that they're working on. I want to make sure that we, we spend some time on specifically some of the solutions that we're seeing. I want to maybe take a moment to it feels like there's a couple main threads that we're talking about and they do kind of resonate with the, uh, the three issues that we've seen uh, at scale with so many thousands of people that have commented uh, to us directly. And uh, I wanted to touch on some of the connective tissue pieces. It's, it's a difficult position that we're in to try and give feedback to both workers and employers because there's so much animosity right now. There's so much like the, the restaurant system is broken. I, you know, I'll, I'll work this job, but I'm always looking for the next thing. And the toxic culture, like I will take it until I can't take it anymore. There's a lot of big old air quotes. Kids these days aren't as X, Y, and Z. And Sean mentioned it. It's like, well, people are just lazy and they want to collect unemployment. And the reality is none of these things are true. All of these things can be true at moments. Yet, what are we going to do about it? That's what we need to decide. And this has become very personal for me. You know, being fifth generation and several of us have family legacy, we're, we're both, you know, the joy that we have for this industry and we're gluttons for punishment. But it's something that's very real for us. You know, being that fifth generation, I had to look at my sons. I mentioned the soccer game. I'm like, I don't know that I want these kids to be the sixth generation. I had to decide if I was going to do something about it or not. So anyway, I, I want to address some of the things that we are currently doing about it. And I know some of you touched on that, but I want to come back around the table and find out what's one, two, three things. What are you specifically doing? What can somebody take away from hearing this, either in the clubhouse now, or this is going to be you know, on our podcast channels? What can somebody practically do. Jesus, I want to come back to you. And you mentioned what's happening at Three Margaritas, but uh, talk about Chamba for one moment. What's happening there? How does that create an opportunity that wasn't there previously that uh, we can take away from this conversation? Um, li listening to all you guys, you guys all have inspired me <laughs> to think about what's been going on through uh, through the pandemic and, and making me think about my key staff members here and uh before i go into chamba i want to say that something that we could do for for staff is like do leadership if there's ever something that has changed my life is is learning to be a leader more than ever and that's what got me through the pandemic that we never really suffer right because 
um, I started being a, a better leader a couple of years ago and it paid off through here where my staff came and actually wanted to work for free because we didn't know what was going on. Um, but yeah, with Chamba, Chamba is the first platform in the whole U.S. and Spanish to look for work. And it started because of that, because I, we started seeing that uh, a lot of staff, just like Sean, other other restaurant owners had to let go of a couple of people here and there because we didn't know what was going to happen, right? And uh, I actually went to uh, restaurants near me, like, McDonald's or big corporations to see if they were hiring because I didn't know if I was going to be able to staff my guys. Um, and I'm like, wow, like I actually have to walk down or drive there. How come there's not a place for Hispanics to look for work in the U.S.? Like, that's crazy. So that's where Chamba uh, started. Uh, we started in the pandemic. We've helped so many people find work through the pandemic. And uh, now it's it's a pretty cool thing. Uh, it's in English as well now, so a lot of companies are using it, especially here in Colorado. That's where we're the strongest. We have about 30,000 users in the whole U.S., 33,000 33, users as, as in today. But, yeah, it's uh, it's a pretty cool thing. It's pretty much like Latino Indeed, and we're huge in the hospitality business because, because a lot of Hispanics work uh, in the hospitality business. Yeah, Jesus, I appreciate that. The Latinx community, this is interesting. When you and I were, were speaking on, on the podcast last week, we are talking about how how kind of ridiculous it, it has been in this industry where I'm guilty of this. Prep cooks, line cooks, dishwashers, my means of hiring process, of attracting talent, who we know that the Latinx community is the lifeblood full stop of this industry, and I would just ask somebody, hey, do you have a primo? Do you have a, a friend, a cousin, a, somebody that could come work here? And, you know, the complete lack of respect for a people and for process to be able to invest a bunch of money into shit like Craigslist and, and like Indeed, like you say, but then the most valuable workers that we have, our dishwasher per se, is somebody that we just say, hey, do you know a guy? And so I appreciate that you're putting a lot of effort into that. Uh, Samantha, I want to come to you. Uh, talk to us about, about resume for a moment. I know that is a big focus point of yours and it is a huge point of contention. We are, God, we have commoditized ourselves into a corner where it's like a resume or a job post. Don't say this, do say this, can't do this, has to be this, can't be this. And we wonder why every single job post, every single resume, every single job description says exactly the same thing, which is nothing. And we wonder why we can't actually see humans through this process. And we're just, we're feeding the monster. So Samantha, talk to us that, about that a little bit. Sure, yeah. So my advice is for people actually looking for a job. And I would say the number one thing is to network. Because like you said, I think resumes and job posts can be great, but it can also be really hard to figure out like what kind of company is this? Is it one that has everything that I'm looking for? And how do I show myself in just a piece of paper? So I think the more people can actually talk to real humans, like you all who work at awesome companies or own restaurants, I think the better. Um, so I think that's one. I think two is knowing how to sell yourself. I think a lot of people, like we talked about, like you, there's the assholes who, you know, are really good at selling themselves and talking about how great they are. And then there's a lot of people who are raised to be humble and that's super awesome and wonderful except when you're trying to sell yourself for a job, right? It's like you have to understand your strengths and know how to pitch those. And that's throughout a resume, but it's also an interview or in your LinkedIn or just talking to people. Um, and I think the last thing I'll say is I think people need to know their top priority or value when they're looking for a new job. I think everyone wants jobs that have it all, that have all the things we've been talking about. And yet sometimes for the job in the meantime, you need to pick the thing that's most important to you. And maybe that is the most pay and the most benefits, or maybe it's creativity or, you know, working in a certain location, whatever it is, I think staying clear to that and then communicating that when you do interview or on your resume is super important as well. Yeah. The communication piece key, absolutely key. We have to talk about who we are over what we do, right? What we do again is commoditized. What we do Sean's focused on on somebody who they are versus just the skills they have. They're going to teach them how to do barbecue. I think there's something important for us to understand. 
is who we're looking for and being able to communicate that and recognizing that a resume is not just a list of the places that you've visited along your journey. It's the culmination of, of who you are and what you want to be within this industry, what you're all about. So I think we need to really focus on that. And job posts, like I, I mentioned that job post, and I'm only kind of joking. Those have become so ubiquitous. I take screenshots every time I see a job post, good or bad. And unfortunately, it's like 95% really, really bad. And then I see ones like Sean, where he's being ridiculous, standing up on a ledge, holding up a sign. And I'm like, yeah, because he cares enough to put in the effort and we're an effort built business. We're telling people you're going to give all of yourself. You're going to leave it all on the field, uh, for the hospitality, for the guest experience, for the food. And then the uh, complete lack of effort in telling a meaningful story. When I read that job post hiring line cooks, 14 to $16 an hour based on experience, apply here, like sign me up. I could not be more inspired. This is where I want to hang my hat. These are the people I want to surround myself with. Absolutely not. There's nothing meaningful uh, that brings me any joy or value or any thought that this is going to be a good job. We have to focus on that. So, uh, Irene, for you, now you're, you, know, you understand your business and the struggles and opportunities that that's created for you. Now you're working in this incubator model. What are a couple of the top things as, as you are – not having to fix something that's broken, hopefully building something that's equitable, profitable, and sustainable from the get. So what's one, two, three top line things that you're thinking about and communicating to these entrepreneurs? Yeah, I mean, I love what you are saying about uh, job descriptions or you know job ads. We were talking to one of our restaurant owners um, just last week, and we were looking at the ad he put on Facebook, and we said to him, like, would you answer this ad? because it was so generic. Um, and he, you know, paused for a moment. And then he said, like, no, definitely not. And so I don't think it's that, you know, he doesn't know that this is a terrible ad. It's again, that he is not able to invest himself in that process, because he doesn't have faith that it's going to pan out. I think that, um, a lot of the time, I also see restaurant owners um, bringing staff in either for an interview or for a stage um, and just not themselves being prepared for it. Um, and I feel like there's this way that, you know, you have to be like meased out for an interview too, right? You have to know the questions you're going to ask. You have to know how you want people to learn, what benchmarks you want them to be hitting at what time. Um, I think so often cooks come in for their first shift and it's like, okay, like let's throw you in the deep end and uh, you'll shadow someone until you are not a burden to them. And then that means you're fully trained. And like, I really feel like we could do a little bit better than that. And on some level, I think that getting thrown in, you know, says to the employee, like, you are expendable. Um, we don't care what you think of us because we're just trying so hard to judge you. So I feel like, you know, to Samantha's point, the restaurant also has to sell themselves and the owner has to sell themselves. And so we always ask our, our business owners in our cohort, what do you need the employees to know about you? in order to be successful, um, because it's not all about you, you know, interrogating and interviewing them. Oh, Irene, I love talking to you every time. It's like, we have to, we have to start to communicate in, in a meaningful way. Yeah. What you mentioned though, that like people don't think that they can commit it. They're like, I have a finite amount of time and resources. What am I going to commit this to? And the job post just unfortunately is not one of those. And then we on the flip side are complaining that we're not finding the right people. And I can tell you exactly why you're not finding quote unquote the right people. Because exactly. you're not looking for the right people. Because you're not telling them a story. We got to stop selling food and start telling stories. And it has to start in some fundamental ways. And the hiring process is that process. Like you're not just going to have this revolving door of people who need a job. That's been exposed. So, Irene, as always, I appreciate that. Uh, Jordan, for you, uh, what's what's one, two, or three things, very practical things that people can be paying attention to that we can actually, again, we don't have any time. Nobody has any time. Uh, what can we apply that you think will move the needle even a little bit? Yeah, so I, I feel like I could say, like, yeah, what, what Irene said to almost everything. But um, I think um, – 
I think people just need to really, really do need to take a step back in terms of, you know, even talking about that, that's, that scenario that Irene mentioned where the, the, you know, looking at your own job description and be like, oh, I wouldn't hire, I wouldn't apply to this. Like the top of funnel is, is kind of broken, but I, I, again, it comes back to like, a, there's a deeper problem here. Like there's, there's like, why, why should people come to you and, and, and take a job with you? What are you doing? What are you, what are you trying to do to separate yourself? And you need to show some effort in there. And I, I, I think of it very similarly to our own business and a restaurant is a business, despite us, you know, we don't, we're not running a restaurant. We, we, we work with restaurants, but um, there's no, I don't think there's a big difference in terms of the way that we have successfully attracted great people is we got really clear with, with what our values were and what we stood for such that in the interview process, people are saying, I say, why did you, you know, we're 150 people. I still talk to every single person that's, you know, in the, in the process. And I just say, like, why, why us? I mean, there's tons of other tech companies, like every tech company is hiring, you know, everyone. And they said, you know, I just resonated with what I was reading on your site. Like I, I was reading through the values and like, I just, you know, being radically candid, that's not something I'm getting where I, with where I am right now. Like, I'm like, great. Tell me a story about like, what, like, what does it mean to you? Like, why is that important to you? And they start opening up and it makes for a great discussion. And I think those are really simple things that um, are, are important. But if I were to get really tactical in terms of kind of establishing some, some base level things that I've chatted with operators about doing is like that, that we did that we found successful is like, go through this process. It's, it's not crazy time consuming. You know, think if you could clone like a few people in your restaurant, like who are those two or three people you could clone? And, and if you could clone them, you clone them into infinity. Uh, the next step is like identifying some traits that you really like about these people. And, you know, you're doing this with you, presumably your managers or, or partners um, and write down these traits that come to mind. There's no wrong answer here. Just whiteboard it out and invite those people that you just wrote all these traits are about into the room and say, you know, team, we're, we're guys and girls, we're, we're kind of looking to you know really tighten up how we look for people and get our messaging strong but we we know it starts with you and it starts at the ground level and you're the the folks that we just want to you know be able to clone into infinity um you know what are some things that resonate with you as we go through this list and you're kind of creating that ownership and buy-in with them and and then you kind of define and you you, you kind of refine all of these because there might be duplicates in this list and and then you kind of roll it out to the team and maybe an all hands meeting and what's great is you included people in your restaurant at at the at the employee level so there's more buy-in it's less of a top-down approach it's you you kind of worked with your team and your high performers that you you do have to try and figure out who you are and and, and the traits that make you special that make you other people will want to work there and um it's a great exercise and it's not crazy complicated but i think that there there again i come back to some of the foundational things because you just can't keep you just can't keep saying throw me more candidates throw me more candidates and i'll use my my gut to sift through them like it's you're we're, we're people we're not perfect so you need to try and have a bit of a lightweight framework as it relates to how you how you screen and and, and how you attract i appreciate that you mentioned radical candor as, as one of your core values one of the things that kim smith talks about is rock stars versus superstars and i think Jeannie and irene kind of uh crystallize that as you know rock stars are somebody who just you can always count on they're dependable they may not want to be the leader they want to do a rock solid job and that should be good enough and that should be okay we need to understand mm -hmm. that superstars have that steep trajectory they're ambitious they're looking for all of it and so often i know we have this experience and I, this is why those values matter and you need to have that clear and open communication that radical candor about it is because somebody just through attrition ends up being the highest line cook well they must just be the next sous chef well they never wanted to be the sous chef and you turn somebody into your best rock star line cook and your sous chef and they're out the door in two months we see those type of things play out because once again we're looking at humans as being monolithic in this in this industry you must want all the same things so I appreciate that. And getting those values down, I cannot overstress. You have to have to write it down. The things that quote unquote go without saying, they do not. You say them loudest and most often. And we don't do that in restaurants enough because again, we're just going through the motion so often, just barely trying to survive. So I appreciate that. Sean, doing things differently. You need to speak to us right now. I need more restaurant tours doing whatever it takes 
making fun of themselves, being ridiculous, getting on TikTok and vibing on a video to say, I need you. What is it going to take for me to find you, find each other so that we can make some damn delicious barbecue? We got to think differently. We got to approach differently. Speak to us, my friend. I appreciate you, Jensen. I mean, everything that everyone said on the panel, it gets me fired up and it makes me appreciate Clubhouse, um, appreciate technology, because these are the things, these are the conversations that we have to be having as restaurant owners. I mean, as restaurant owners, we're the mayor of our village, literally. We're What we have to do to open up a restaurant, to keep a restaurant running, the amount of people that we had to solicit to buy into our dreams, our hopes, telling us that this is come to our barbecue restaurant or come for our hospitality or come to watch fight night or come to watch, you know, your favorite team play on NFL Sunday. Like we sell that dream in order to, to live our dream yet somehow we stop. Like, why do we stop selling our dream to recruit people? Like why does human resources, why have we all of a sudden just gone to Craigslist? And, you know, like you say, Jensen, put this stock ad that we've copied for 16 times from Microsoft word to whichever new technology platform we're using. And then, put it out there and expect to get the best level talent. Like we have to go where people are and where are people, people are all over the internet. They're all over different social media platforms, but we also have to do it in a way that's different and unique to get diverse talent. You know, one of the greatest things at Genie, you know, I've been on these high roads trainings for the last couple months and it's incredible the amount of things that I'm thinking about just because of the exercises they're forcing me to go through. And by forcing, I'm willfully going and I'm willfully learning more every time about the way that I think, the places that I'm advertising. Like, yes, I made a TikTok video with an English sign. Like, maybe I can make that sign in Spanish. You know, maybe I can show up, you know, on Jesus's platform in a way and I can attract the talent that I want because it's a universal language. The stuff that we talk about, the love and hope and hospitality that we have in our restaurants, that's a universal language. And like I said, back to the problem when people bitch and complain that there's not enough workers, there's 7.8 billion people on the planet. Like if we can't get workers to come and be inspired to work in our restaurants, and frankly, we shouldn't be in this business. Sean, let's go, man. You get me fired up every time you speak. I, I could. We have to speak differently. I like the fact, and this is something that everybody needs to take away. You are communicating. What I, I internal marketing is the way that I always coin it. Like, why can't we market to the people that work within our four walls versus the people that we're trying to get be butts in seats with the same with the same passion and the same articulation and the same budgets and the same effort. And, uh, you know, to paraphrase Simon Sinek, I love a lot of what he talks about. He talks about people don't buy what you do, they buy why you do it. And that goes for the potential for employees too. Like the barbecue can't be it. It has to be the depth of the story that you're telling, the impact that that barbecue will have. How barbecue can take one person having a shit day, turn that day around, that's the kind of thing that lays the foundation for changing the world. Yet, it's also just food at the same time. So we're holding that contradiction. We have to tell those stories. Stop tell, selling food. Start telling stories to everybody involved. I appreciate that. And I didn't even realize how, how intermingled this group was. It makes a ton of sense that, that so many of you have interacted because good people connecting good people is like what I'm all about. So I love hearing that. Jeannie. Uh, talk to us a little bit. Sean mentioned some of that work, so maybe take that a little bit a step further, and and let's uh, let's recruit some more people. If Sean's willing to take that, more uh, restaurateurs need to be paying attention. What's the work that we can be doing right now? Yeah, well, I thank Sean for not me, making me like shamelessly self promote, but <laughs> appreciate you just for that. Um, so yeah, Raise High Road Restaurants, we offer a race and gender equity program. Um, it's broken into three modules. So the first one is identifying systemic racism in the restaurant sector. The second one focuses on outreach, recruitment, hiring, training, and promotional practices. So we don't want just people, you know, we don't want just diversity in our restaurants. We want representation of people of color in leadership positions. Um, so you have to, you know, create that pathway. And then the third module focuses on work culture. It's a lot of interactive conversations around characteristics of what, um, like how white supremacy shows up. Um, it, we talk a lot about how you build culture, um, how it's about showing up every single day and every action that you make and like really making deliberate choices. And I think what Sean's speaking to is like, 
once you do that and really use a racial lens, you're building it for your entire company. So it's breaking down those things that Jordan was speaking about, which is like identifying your core values. And hopefully one of your core values is making sure that you have um, an equitable and safe work environment. And so if you're you're looking at it through that lens and everybody benefits, right? We know that for Kate, for sure. Um, and I think just to speak to culture in general, when I was the director of operations for Sea Creatures, that was a huge thing for me. You know, um, you know, Jensen, I actually brought in the golden circle um, to our management leadership team meetings and was like, this is what we do. Because, you know, the end of the day is if we can tell our employees and have them believe in what we're doing, they're the, they, they'll go on market to not only other employees around the city, but to, to our guests, right? So if we take care of them, they take care of everything else. Um, so I think, yeah, like, please join us. Um, the equity training is totally free intentionally because we want it to be accessible to as many people as possible. Um, I think the other thing I would do is suggest people go to Chamba. Like, that sounds amazing, Jesus. Like, I'm excited to look into it and to connect all the restaurant owners I know to that platform. It's very exciting. And then lastly, I think, you know, one thing that we could do to lay out some solutions for employees is to really look at policy work, right? Because we know we live in um, an industry that has single digit profit margins, like, right? It's so ridiculous. And so like, how do we, how, how can we change that? You know, how do we get employee benefits? How do we do family pay leave and sick, sick leave, you know, if you have single digit profit margins, right? So I think a really great way that we can invest in our employees is to really look at that policy work. And what we've seen is that when, um, independent restaurant owners stand together and united on an issue, we can affect policy change. And so um, I, there's, I know, like, I'm like, universal healthcare, bring it, you know, like, let's go, let's go. <laughs> Jeannie, thank you so much. Uh, we're on the hour now. I do want to just take a moment and uh, uh, no shameless plug, Jeannie, you're here because you're putting in the work, you're putting in the effort, you're bringing value. Uh, so is everybody on this panel. So do want to open up hand raising if anybody in the audience does want to take a moment maybe ask a, a follow-up question get some more specifics on anything or maybe just add just a moment of context of your own so if you did want to jump in for just a second uh, there's a little hand sign at the bottom right and uh, anybody has something to share we'd love uh, for you to do so you can just push that little hand icon and uh, can call, we can call you up onto the stage and uh, and actually, Chewy, somehow you started this room. So if you see the notification go up, I think you're the moderator of this room somehow uh, that somebody wants to come up on stage. Go ahead and click them and add them to the stage. And uh, if, if you're freaking out about that, Jesus, don't worry, I'll walk you through it. If anybody does want to come up. So uh, in the meantime, I wanted to just go very quickly. You got 14 seconds each of you. Where can people find you so that the great work that you're doing, anybody in the audience, anybody who is uh, listening in on the uh, podcast channel when this gets posted can come and find you, uh, go around the room. Hey, Seuss, what are the, what are the handles? What are the websites? Where do we need to go? If you go to Chuy Gutierrez on Facebook and then I'm the same on Instagram, you can find me there. I would actually love to connect with all you guys. I got like so much smarter just from listening to you guys today. <laughs> I love information. So thank you for inviting me, Jensen. Pleasure. Samantha, where can we find you? All right. I'm at quartercrisis.com. Boom. That was, that was very painless. Uh, Irene, uh, between May May to come get some dumplings or the incubator, where can we find you? Yeah, so best place to find me is going to be at Maymay Boston on all platforms. And our um, initiative is based out of Commonwealth Kitchen in Boston as well. Love it. Jordan, where can we get, uh, get a hold of Seven Shifts? Oh, Jordan, you there? Sean, Sean, jump in. We'll get back to Jordan. Yeah, you can find me at Sean P. Walchef, S-H-A-W-N-P-W-A-L-C-H-E-F. And that's LinkedIn, TikTok, Clubhouse, Twitter, all those, all the fun stuff, uh, Instagram. And then uh, if you want, you can follow our podcast at Digital Hospitality on all podcast platforms, CaliBarbecue.media. Definitely go. Please go check out Sean on TikTok. It usually makes my day. <laughs> uh, Jordan, where can we find Seven Shifts? All right, sorry, I was I was on mute. Um, 
So it, you can uh, check out Seven Shifts at uh, sevenshifts.com, the number seven shifts.com. Uh, I'm also very responsive to email. So Jordan at sevenshifts.com is my email. Um, we're also on Instagram, uh, the seven shifts handle. But yeah, if anyone here or, or listening is interested in creating a trial, um, just shoot me an email, give you three months free, try it out, kick the tires. And uh, yeah. Appreciate that. And uh, Jordan, I'm looking forward to the uh, hiring part of what you guys are working on. I know you guys are trying to integrate more and more into the full employee life cycle. So appreciate that. And for, uh, for best served, uh, check us out here on Clubhouse. We're going to be having a, a lot of conversations. We're going to be bringing groups like this together to speak on the topics. I'll be bringing more and more of the worker experience to the forefront. This is a challenge. It's a challenge I'm dedicated to. We know there's a lot of talking heads in a lot of social media areas and the actual worker does not feel their voice matters and so they don't feel like it's even worth getting on something like Clubhouse. And so I'm spending a lot of time saying, look, you're your opinion matters, your voice matters. So I want to bring more and more people into that. So always looking for people to nominate others to come onto this platform. If you ever need more invites to bring more workers in the hospitality industry on this platform, uh, call on me anytime for that. And uh, on Instagram, at Besser Podcast, TikTok, Twitter, you can find us there, at Chef Jensen Cummings as well. And then go to bestservedpodcast.com where you can find our Best Served Read channel, which I'm so, so excited about. We will host anybody with any topic across the industry at every level and facet. We have line cooks from New Hampshire to servers in Denver to uh, hospitality coaches in Arizona. We want more voices included in the conversation. I'm excited that we have that platform that uh, Sophie Breaker runs for us and allows the opportunity for more voices to be shared. So definitely check that out. All right. That is it uh, for today's conversation. Appreciate all of you. Jesus, Samantha, Irene, Jordan, Sean, and Jeannie. You guys keep doing the work that you're doing. Any way that best serve can help amplify the worth and the work that you are doing, I would be truly grateful and honored for that opportunity. And uh, thanks you all for being here and for everyone uh, tuning in. You guys have a great rest of your day. We're going to end the room here. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.